Let's change our focus now and talk uh, South Africa's uh, Vision 2022 Master Plan. That's the document we've been trying to dissect over the past couple of weeks. We've been bringing in different voices just to get their understanding of what this document was all about and where we've gone wrong because clearly we, something is wrong because the national teams are not ranked in the top three on the continent and top 20 in the world. Bafana not at AFCON, also not going, at, uh, not going to the FIFA World Cup. And tonight we are joined on the line by a respected coach Farouk Khan, who's also the owner and founder of Stars of Africa. Academy, which has produced a lot of players. Uh, Coach Farouk, good evening and thank you very much for speaking to us here on SAFM. Good, good evening and it's uh, really a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks, Coach. Firstly, from your side, when this document came out all those years ago, what did you make of it? Did, did it have your buy-in? Well, I was very optimistic because I think as a country with our infrastructure, with the rich vein of talent that we possess, I was very optimistic and I felt that we needed to embrace that plan and support it. So, yeah, it's uh, always good to hear that a plan is being constructed. And I was hoping that for a change, the plan would be implemented. Is, is that maybe where we went wrong then? Because according to the technical master plan, 2022 was supposed to be the final evaluation of the master plan's achievement. And um, it doesn't look like we've even scratched the surface of, surface so far. Well, I think, you know, it's when it, when it comes to planning, you can have the most elaborate plan, but it's about the implementation that uh, is, is so important in ensuring that that plan is achieved. And it's a realistic plan. So when you, when you create a plan, you must understand that the plan requires short, medium, and long, long-term objectives. And when you have those objectives in place, you need to ensure that you achieve those objectives. Otherwise, the plan just becomes a plan. Yeah. And then... T- Talking about those evaluations, in 27, according to the document, according to the timelines, we're supposed to analyze the success of this national playing philosophy, evaluate it, mix it with new trends. To your knowledge, was that followed? Well, I think there was an attempt to to, to ensure that that plan was followed, but for some reason, any plan requires that you ensure that you have the right, uh, I would call it, intellectual expertise, capital, whatever you want to call it, people that can ensure that that plan is achieved. There's also the aspect of having the finances to ensure any plan that you that you make is achievable because no plan is achievable in the modern day if you don't have the finance, the manpower, the infrastructure. And I think if you look at us currently uh, as a country with this rich uh, infrastructure and, and, and talent base, we are falling behind. If you look at Comoros, even though they lost to Cameroon the other day, mm. you wouldn't believe an island as small as they are have made such great strides. I mean, if you look at collectively the six, six countries currently that have qualified for CAF, the collective population is equal to that of Greater Johannesburg. Yeah, even countries and, like uh, that. The, is, yeah. That is really an indictment on us. Mm, countries like the Gambia are also doing very well at, at, at Afghanistan. Yeah, you've got Gambia, you've got Comoros, you've got uh, Mauritania. Yes. These are small little countries. And uh, they, they should never be uh, exceeding the level of, of, of football that we are, are able to, to produce. But currently, you know, it's a case of us playing catch-up. And on the concept of play, Coach Farouk Khan, this document talks about the possession game when it focuses on the offensive with the variety and the diversity of the attack. Is this, are we seeing this in our games or at lower levels? Well, I think, you know, it's a philosophy, and any philosophy is only possible if that, that philosophy is, 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 is uh, 
implemented from grassroots. So, you know, you could have possession, but possession with a purpose. I mean, having possession is one aspect of the modern game, but it's not the entire uh, concept that needs to be followed. With possession, there's, there's obviously the, the tactical approach, the uh, tactical awareness that players have to have, because you could have possession for 90 minutes and have zero attempts on goals. Does that make it a, a viable plan? Not, not so, because possession is a means to an end. And the, and the end is obviously ensuring that you score goals. So when you look at it in, in isolation, I think these were all, um, how can I say, a wish list that was made without ensuring that we come up with a holistic plan that covers both uh, amateur, or should I say grassroots football, amateur football, and ultimately professional football. If you look at currently the level of development in the country, schools are no more utilizing physical education as a beginning or as a starting point. So how is it possible then to have kids who don't have a base to embrace uh, 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 development in, in its entirety? In other words, you don't have kids these days that have any base as far as physical uh, development is concerned. I get a kid at 16 and I still have to teach him to be coordinated. I still have to work on his agility. And that's something he should have had done when he was six years old. And on that note, the document talks about the best starting formation to ch- teach young players. There's a bit of a contradiction here, but we'll stick to what it says under the concept of play 4.9, where they say that the best starting formation to teach young players is 4.3.3. And the reason I'm saying there's a bit of a contradiction is because on one point one two it says that a formation with four players in the de- defensive backline has been defined as the best starting formation and the four four two will be used as a starting point to tactically train South African youth players learning eleven V eleven for the first time. Where do you stand here, coach? Are we on the right track? Well it's very presumptuous because there's no formation that has won a World Cup or a, a, a football match. I ah. think the formation is dependent on the quality of players you have. And again it also depends on the philosophy that the country embraces. So if you look at a country like Brazil, they used to play a 4-2-4 or 4-4-2, but the game has evolved now, and I think football formations go with, with trends. If you have a, a team like Barcelona or Man City playing with a 4-3-3 and it's successful, suddenly that's the best formation. When you mm. look back when the Germans won the World Cup, their formation was the best. So I think it's, it's not about formations. It's about developing players holistically, and players must be able to adapt to any formation if they are well-developed. There's never going to be a case that the formation will win. If that's the case, then countries would win uh, World Cups and CAF championships just by narrowly using a formation. So I think that was a bit of an oversight because there's no formation that's better than another formation. It's the players within a formation. Because if I ask you now, when a team starts uh, a, a match, they play with a 4-4-2. But when the match progresses, what is the formation? Suddenly, you have the fullbacks overlapping. You have a midfielders joining the attack. What is the formation? Is it a 2-4-4? Is it a 4-3-3 or a 4-5-2? Whatever it is. Uh, you know, you can, you can never have a formation that's constant. When you're defending, what is your formation? It could be 4-4-4-3-3, but when you attack, the formation varies constantly. So when we say that is the ideal formation, we must be careful not to mislead people. 
Okay, for those who are just joining us, we are, we've invited Coach Farouk Khan tonight just to get his thoughts on where we are as a footballing nation, especially based on the SAFA technical master plan that was developed in 2012 that was supposed to bear fruits in 2022. It has That's not been the case. So we're just trying to understand maybe where did we go wrong. Implementation is one point that's been raised by our guest over the past few weeks, including uh, Coach Simon Goman, who's been with us for the past two weeks. Let's take a couple of your voice notes. They are welcome on 61 107 Good evening, Tavis, and good evening to Coach Kande. Uh, I know for Khan from his days, the Kajus, and then what he was doing at the Metro, they played big football. And then I think they had something that I can say defines Southern football. And then now at Stars Africa, I think he's doing very, very well. My question is, what does the current master plan have on what day time they used in the, in the maximum training concerning the way they develop their players, especially their defense from defense to attack? Does that that the document go at length at that and then how does he think the, the master plan can be better now for the future good evening okay thanks for that we'll come back to the other voice notes the other part that the master plan talks about tabang is um building from the back it says you must use the center backs uh, to build from the from 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 the back um are we on the right track when it comes to that coach farouk or is that also well, subjective? Well, well, look, uh, look. If you look at the players that we have, I think it's only fair to say that with modern football, the the build-up phase does does mean that you start from the back because if you play the ball out of defence, the chances are you will lose possession uh, very much easier. So the build-up phase is important, and I think it's become universal that all successful countries are using uh, the build-up phase from the back and progressing into midfield and then to attack because. The rules now favor the more skillful approach. And obviously, you don't want to have a situation where we victimize our players who are not physically uh, astute to play a, 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 a game that's based on the long ball played forward. So, yes, I do agree that we should look at that being a, a strategy and part of our tactical plan to, to build up from the back. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But in saying that, I think, again, there's many different steps to achieve that. It doesn't just happen overnight. You need to understand that we need to firstly develop a philosophy, a culture, and, and then base our, 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 our tactics around that culture. We've got another voice note for Coach Farouk Khan. Good evening, Tavi Sotulan in Mitrand. Yeah? The only guys who are going to implement the version 22 is sundowns sundowns football club so i i, I think they they stole that vision eh? do you agree with me tulani in midrand <laughs> thanks for that tulani in midrand keep the voice notes coming on 061 um, another area, Coach, this document covers is the physical, mental, technical, tactical elements of the players. Can you just please explain the importance of these? Well, you know, football football is divided into five performance factors. Uh, obviously, it's, it's uh, technical, tactical, psychological, uh, physical, and social. So all of these legs are very important. It's like when you have a chair, you know, those are the five legs that keep the chair from falling over. Mm. So, yes, I think it's important that when you develop a player holistically, you need to take into account that, firstly, the player must be technically astute. 
And that comes down to the basic technique, his first touch, his passing ability, his ability to control the ball, etc. But also he must be physically conditioned to play the game at the highest level ultimately. And there's different ways of doing that from a very young age where you use the aspect of age-appropriate training. What you do with a six-year-old, you obviously do differently when you train a 10, 12, 16-year-old. And there's different phases of development that the player goes through, which encompasses those five elements. And then obviously at a certain age, you introduce tactics. Normally it's about 14, 15 years up. And you constantly look at reinforcing the player's mentality, his playing intelligence, his mental strength, because football is a game where I would say at the highest level, there's a huge percentage of uh, you know, uh, psychological pressure on players. They need to know how to deal with the different aspects of fear, worry, anxiety, and all of these negative things. So you have to develop them physically to deal with it. And obviously, all of these then depend on his social lifestyle. You know, you could do all the four. You could train him technically, technically. You could do, uh, you know, uh, his physical development. But in the end, if he's not living a very good social life, he doesn't sleep on time, he doesn't eat properly, and he doesn't have a good lifestyle. We've seen some of our best players falling into their trap. Then all of those things become uh, uh, irrelevant. So, yeah, I think when Safa put it in the plan, they were right in saying that. But again, the emphasis is, who are the people that are going to be doing this? Yeah. Are we starting it from a grassroots level or are we expecting to achieve success by working top-down? I think the other thing should apply where we look at models of countries that have been successful, like Japan as an example. Japan mm. started with a huge grassroots program and ultimately their teams went on not just qualifying for major major championships, but went on to the later stages at youth level. And they became quite formidable where many of their players were exported to countries around the world. If you look at us currently, we had Percy Tau playing in the Premier League, and that's where it stops. We're not, we're not exporting enough players to ensure that our national team is, is able to compete at the highest level with the best in the world. Okay, let's take more voice notes for Coach Farouk Khan. Uh, good evening, Tavis of Melus Lane Pretoria Bowen. I just want to find out uh, from Farouk Khan, what's the ideal age for a child to start playing football? Is it four years, five years? How many years is it? And also in his academy, at what age do they, uh, they have kids from what age? Hey, good evening, Tavisa. Yeah, man. Um, I kind of agree with Coach Farukan. Or oh, when he says that the kind of players you have, you know, they kind of determine the formation that you will play. Yeah, I think he's spot on on that. Um, one thing I want to know is that is our current coach familiar with, with this uh, development, this, this mandate that you are discussing? So is he familiar or he's just doing his own thing? Yeah, this is Joseph Mampo from Maga. Hi, good evening, Taviso and uh, Coach Farouk. Uh, this is Franz from Weightloof. Uh Taviso, I just want to find out from Coach, um, you know, since we don't have a technical director, I mean, uh, uh, for SAFA, isn't that the responsibility of a technical director to oversee that um, from development, the coaches that we have developed, I mean, are higher uh, from development until to the senior team. You know, they, they, they introduce our own philosophy of playing uh, our own South African football. But 
I don't see that happening or going on, going anywhere, you know, with the current leadership that we have. And I just want to find out what his take on that, because I believe... Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. And I think that also answers the last question about the current coach, if he's familiar with this document or this technical master plan. When we spoke to coach Simon Gomane last week, he highlighted the fact that there's been no permanent director since technical director since Neil Tovey left in 2019. And if if there was, this would have been the person to introduce the new coach then to what Safa wants to achieve for South African football. Is Do you agree, coach? Is that a big gap that's been left not having a permanent technical director? Well, it's like having an airplane without a pilot. Oh, you know, okay. That's a you're big up, You're up in the air, your plane is flying, you've got passengers there, we are the passengers, and then suddenly when you look in the cockpit, there's no pilot. Mm. So that is tantamount to the plane going to crash, and we, 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 we need direction from a technical director. We've had technical directors. There's a big question is, oh, did we empower them sufficiently? I mean, we had Simon, and what Simon said the other day was really touching. You know, the man has got so much... Uh, intellect and and he's got so much to offer yet these are the type of people that we are not utilizing to enrich our football you know the gentleman spoke about the development cycle i think as young as when a, when a child is able to to grasp the idea the, the basic skills of walking jogging running that's the time when the kids should start uh, being exposed to football but the first person that does that is the mother because she exposes him to uh, watching matches or even playing with balloons or plastic balls. When I was in Brazil, kids from a young age would be taught to play or not to play football. They weren't coached. They were never mm. coached. You'd never coach kids as young as four, five, six, seven, eight. You allow the game to be the coach. So you arrange for the kids to have fun with the ball so they can learn all the basic uh, technical skills, coordination, etc. And when you start coaching a player, I would say around about 11, 12 years old. But even then, you don't become a coach that is constantly shouting at kids. You arrange for them to play a game and all you do is you stand back and you constantly encourage them. Let the game become the teacher. And maybe later on, when tactics are involved, then you start introducing more structured coaching. So it's so important that we respect the biological individuality of kids. It's also important to respect the specificity of the game of football. It's a game that's different to other games. And therefore, we need to respect the fact that we're not dealing with young adults, but with children. So when we take coaching methods that are being used at professional level and we water it down, it's actually very dangerous because with kids, there's, there's certain types of training that needs to be done. And I think this is some of the things that need to be addressed. For example, when your child is ill, you take him to a GP, but the GP will then refer him to a pediatrician. And I think with youth coaching, you need pediatricians, you need youth coaching specialists to lay that foundation. In most developing countries, your best coaches are dealing with the youth because that's when the foundation is being laid. And uh, I, I think that is something that we as a country need to do. We need to invest in developing the best youth coaches so that they can lay a strong foundation. And ultimately, I'm very, very convinced of this. I, when I, was in, I studied in Brazil, and when mm. I compared their raw talent to ours, like for example, they're 10, 11, 12-year-olds. I promise you, we have better raw talent than Brazil. The big question is, why is it that they are exporting the biggest number of players to the European football market than any other country in the world? If you go to any team in the mm-hmm. Premiership or in the Champions League, they have three or four Brazilians. Why is that happening? It's because they utilize a systematic, scientific way of developing these players. 
and I've been to Brazil a couple of times. I was telling Coach Simon Gomane last week that what impresses me about Brazil is that they've got this five-a-side fields all over the country. Whether you're in Sao Paulo, whether you're in Rio, they've got five-a-side fields. Anybody in the community can use these five-a-side fields. 100%. The kids play all 100%. the time. Like you're saying, they just play Absolutely. to enjoy the game. Even the lights Absolutely. come on at night and they can even play under lights. There was one Absolutely. more question about the ideal age. Coach, um, when should you start introducing the youngsters to football? The document says ages 6 to 12. With you in your academy or just in general when should you start well i think it's quite accurate to say six to twelve but coming back to you i don't want to miss this point you know i'm at, at, at present i'm in stellenbosch i'm with uh, 360 the oh. uh futsal mm. the futsal uh, development program and i think the country needs to embrace what they are trying to do they want to start ensuring that futsal becomes a beginning point for kids we have a huge problem with facilities that was in the country and if we can convert some of those white elephants, uh, tennis courts that we have everywhere into those courts that you just spoke about where kids mm. could go and play five versus five. That will be the foundation for our future generation of top professionals. If you look back at the greats that we had in the past, the likes of Ace Lutzel and Teenage Dada, what did mm. they play? Street football. Mm. And street football Don't became the beginning of, beginning of the development. If you look at the current situation, kids are now so attached to, to social media, to phones and to uh, iPads, that they are not playing the game anymore. We need to create that interest. We need to ensure that these kids play uh, uh, futsal or, or, or play uh, uh, you know, indoor football or whatever to ensure that it becomes fun that ultimately can become a, a stepping stone to one day becoming a professional footballer. Okay, let's park it here for now, Coach Farouk, and maybe we can continue the conversation next week. But thank you for your wonderful insight and for speaking to always us Always a pleasure talking to you, my brother. All a, always a pleasure. Thanks, Coach. Also, do follow him. He is active on social media. He does make some very good points when he talks. We're just going to want to talk about uh, talent identification in the last 10 minutes. I'll see a lot of your voice notes. Maybe sometimes you underestimate the impact of this topic, but we will continue having these discussions. Leading Sport Stories of the Day on SAFM. Okay, and let's now get insight on talent identification because it's part of the document also and we're joined on the line by author of the Football Scouting Bible and uh, the net and, the, and the Notebook, uh, Mr. Walter Stenberg. Bra Walter, good evening. Thanks for giving us some of your time tonight. Good evening, Tadiso, and uh, also to your listeners. This document, Bra Walter, talks about uh, five phases of development from the fundamental stage and all of that, but it also talks about talent identification. Um, how important is talent identification, and is there a template in this space from your understanding? Yeah, um, Tabiso, um, talent identification um, really comes before um, talent development. Mm-hmm. So as much as you, you really want to, to develop players, it's critical that you have to be able to have people who are qualified enough, experienced, who can be able to, to spot talent and be able to be able to uh, to accelerate it. I just want to make two simple examples. Mm. In the last in the last three weeks, I think you have seen Bongekuche uh, Songwali uh, moving from Maritzburg uh, to go to Minnesota. Mm. You know, um, you see that the responsibility of taking that player. Uh, to go to that level, you know, uh, rested on on an agency, you know, um, MM exclusives, you know. But the key point here is that uh, within his development, you know, someone never played at, at under 17 level, you know, mm. and that really shows you that the, the critical cracks mm. in our in our talent identification. Furthermore, 
if you check also Mfundo Vilakas, you know, there was a, a serious uproar in the country mm. when suddenly at the Philippine Games, you know, he, he displayed quite, quite, quite brilliant talents, you know. But the system would say to you, um, did we really be, uh, manage to see him at, at under 15 level? Did we see him at under 12 level? What are the key stages within the character identification process and its own development that we have missed? So as it stands now, you know, the, the critical phase of being able to identify players at the right age, you know, and also dealing with any specialization, you know, is not really covered in South Africa. Coach Farouk Khan was talking about learning from what other countries are doing. He mentioned Japan also. And I believe other countries have a director of talent ID and a head of talent ID and a head of talent development. I mean, this seems like crucial roles. Look, um, if you check if you check in the uh, United States uh, Soccer Federation, you know, I think that's, that's the one that, that really comes to mind. Oh. You see that they, they've got a head of, of talent, talent ID, uh, also deals with uh, talent development and also with insights, you know. And then they also have a person who specifically works with, with, with talent scouting, you know, with the director for that. So what other countries have done, you know, this, 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 I think they've mimicked the, the, the idea of, of what cricket South Africa is doing, you know, of having specific people in regions and districts, you know, whose, whose sole responsibility is to, is to identify brilliant talent. I mean, that is also uh, 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 taking place also in Belgium, you know, and you must admit that Belgium has, has less than 10 million people, you know, as compared to what we have in, in South Africa, where we have, uh, you know, close to around what, 60 million people, you know. So such countries really, you know, have, have really done well, you know, in changing uh, the structure, but also adapting to, to the material conditions which, which they are facing, because... Uh, uh, in South Africa, we tend to want to operate on old models and frameworks of talent identification, you know, that, that has not really yielded lots and lots of, of, of success. That's interesting. You mentioned that the, U, the U.S. I wasn't aware of that, but I do know that there are these positions. And the U.S. has produced a number of players over the years. Eh? If you watch Bundesliga, you'll see Gio Reyna, George Sagent, who's now at Norwich, all American players making their mark. They even had a player at Barcelona. I think it was De La Fuente. They even had Winston McKinney at Juventus. So the Americans are really onto something. And then on that note, then, Walter Steinbock, is there enough being done locally on teaching interested parties about scouting and talent identification and not just coaching? I think you are raising a very, very good point, Tadiso, but I want to bring you back a little bit uh, to the FIFA Global Development Report, you know, that really seen that a lot of member associations, especially associations which are outside outside uh, the ranking of, 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 of top 100 rankings, um, the, the, report, the report gave a very bad picture of countries like South Africa and, and all of those countries which are outside, mm. outside top 100 by saying... We either have little or we have no scouting, you know. So our situation is a dire situation in the sense that we don't have we don't have a proper system, you know. I think from clubs to the national association that really looks into how we progress our players, you know, from an early stage to a to a to a, to a high high level. If I make two examples, mm. you know, which are just 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 very easy, Jimmy mm. Tau has, has 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 played eight times for South Africa. And he has never played under 20, under 17, and under 23 for South Africa. Tiko Mudise has played 66 times for South Africa, including the 2010 World Cup. But he has never, he has never kept 
at under 17, under 20, and under 23 levels. This just shows, you know, the, 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 the nature of, of, of our talent identification process in the country, that the system does not exist, and there are a lot of, lots of cracks uh, uh, within what we are doing. Okay, so you, so you can be... You don't have to be a coach and even be a talent scout also. It can be two separate positions. Because usually you see somebody that says, I'm a coach, I know how to find players. I think we have to, we have to give credit to uh, the people who, who, who are very experienced, uh, who, who have done this work before. I mean, you're just looking to Coach Farouk, who has done yes. quite, quite a marvelous job you know, at, uh, at, at his academy. But uh, in South Africa now, we don't really have a, a scouting course. You know, uh, like we have we have said before, you know, if you check um, uh, in the in England, for example, you know, mm. they have the the PFSA. It has talent identification one and two, and it has different uh, kind of uh, kind of uh, certificate that it offers. So that's why, you know, uh, with the football scouting bible, for example, I was trying to bring a little bit of uh, of dialogue and discussion. But I think one is also part of a few. Uh, good scouts in South Africa who are trying to bring a qualification for scouts, you know. But uh, in the meantime, we just actually rely on the on the technical ability of scouts to be able to pull this job. But uh, uh, only coaches now, you know, who, who are really helping us with scouting. But uh, as a country, we don't have a formal education that we have for scouts. Okay, let's pack it here for now, Bro Walter. I know that you've got you have a family bereavement, and thank you for being able to join us. Uh, hopefully, when you have more time next week, we can continue that discussion because there's so much interest, so many voice notes we can't play, but we'll keep them for the next time we speak. Thanks a lot, Tadis, and also to pass my my condolences also to uh, to Coach Steve Compella, oh, yes. whose who's, who's brother Butana Compella just passed on uh, yesterday. And and thanks for your time, and and good luck, and keep up the good work. Thank you. And people, go get his book if you're interested in scouting, the Football Scouting Bible. We've had him on the show to talk about it now. You can follow him on social media, find him on Facebook, on Twitter. He can get you a copy of the book. Um, you will really pick up some wonderful insight there. Well-educated man is uh, Walter Steinbock and a very respected scout also. Um, talking about the speciality of scouting and philosophy. So Nesipo Mali, if you're listening also, you must come on the show here and talk to us about scouting and all of, and, and, and all of that. But anyway, we're going to have to leave it there. Apologies, we can't play all the voice notes. Um, there seems to be so much interest in this topic, so we're going to continue it next week. If not Thursday, we'll see and um, we'll try and play as many voice notes as you can. Senegal have beaten Cape Verde by two goals to nil, so Senegal are through to the quarterfinals then of AFCON. We're going to have to leave it there. It's time for news. We'll be back again tomorrow.